Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science the Podcast. Today, the latest episode in our weekly update series. I'm joined by co-host Tony D'Alfrio and Tom Meehan and our producer Diego Rodriguez. And uh, my portion today will be relatively quick. Um, we are uh, actually conducting our dry run for Integrate, LPRC Integrate. In this case, this year in 2024 will be a an active assailant event, um, unprecedented to my knowledge, and uh, what we'll do today is conduct the dry run of the uh, kinetic portion, as we're calling it, and that's where we will have an active assailant who will uh, come down I-75 into Gainesville, Florida, exit move eastbound through the city and the county areas, move uh, past campus, and move into our uh, engagement lab here in the UF Innovate Hub, and uh, there will tragically go kinetic in that space, that simulated store engagement lab area um, with long gun and a handgun, and um, our one of our individuals will uh, be able to put out a warning, um, but uh, in the meantime, then the first responders will do what they do. Uh, again, Gainesville Police Department, uh, the University of Florida Police Department, the Alachua County Sheriff's Office, and the Gainesville Fire Rescue people uh, will go into action. They'll get a simulated 911 call. The first uh, police officer or deputy sheriff uh, closest to that area, in fact, all of them would respond to the building to try and neutralize the threat to stop the killing and the bleeding and the dying. And um so from there, it's going to be uh, the event will be as realistic as possible. Uh, everything will be recorded from multiple angles, uh, security cameras, body worn cameras, uh, from uh, external cameras, from the film team. Uh, and uh, we'll learn a great deal about uh, how this type of tragedy unfolds uh, and what can and can't be done about it. Uh, and the opportunities, of course, to leverage process. Uh, to leverage sensors and technology and tools. Um, So I think there's going to be quite a bit of learning going on, and today we'll walk through that. Yesterday and uh, early the week before, uh, our team, led by a research scientist, Kayla Bowyer, in this case, um, have worked with two of four threat assessment teams. Yesterday we worked with the FBI, and uh, the FBI went through the personas, the uh, recently former employees of the location uh, to go through their process. Uh, We'll be reviewing that process as well later, but today is a dry run for the kinetic portion. Um, Just going to talk just for a minute about some of the feedback from the LPRC kickoff in New York City uh, that came right on the heels as, as we do annually on the NRF Big Show. A lot of fantastic feedback. Uh, we had just about 200 individuals. Again, we had 30 or 40 that uh, RSVP. They just weren't going to be able to make it because of canceled flights. So it was standing room only, beautiful venue. Uh, but the, but the, what was kicked off there was critical. Um, a couple of research, of, uh, excuse me, research efforts have been spawned from that event. Um, it's brought together 
quite a few people made new contacts there. And we've heard about some of the relationships that were started. That's part of uh, the goal uh, of what we're trying to do. Uh, NYPD and FBI, we created some new relationships there that are going to lead to uh, some fruitful R&D as well. Uh, so I want to thank everybody. I want to thank AT&T, all our valuable sponsors for making that event happen and for all the practitioners, uh, whether it be retail, LP, AP, law enforcement, and of course, all our fantastic solution partners. And so many of the SPs uh, and the people involved with us, of course, were practitioners in law enforcement and loss prevention asset protection. So that just brings them uh, even more richness, more experience and expertise, uh, subject matter knowledge to the table. So uh, I want to thank everybody involved in that. Um, we look forward to this Ignite and integrate on uh, the February 28th and 29th. Again, today, the dry run uh, on the, the following week, next week, we'll do the actual filming of the event. Um, we've been working on the exercises for integrate, working on the session, including strategy at uh, for Ignite and the content for the Board of Advisors uh, and the content for the LPRC Innovate Programs Advisory Board, uh, that panel. So just really looking forward to this event in Gainesville, Florida, 28th, 29th of February. Um, uh, we've been working hard on the Port St. Lucie initiative, um, making sure that the dashboards, both from Esri, our mapping uh, platform dashboard is up to speed and, and readily useful and usable. Uh, with the same with the LVT, in this case, um, mobile protective unit. We've got, again, the three units deployed there, uh, making that as user-friendly as possible uh, and understanding placement, positioning, some of the dosing concepts. Uh, on the East Side Initiative, we've been in the field a lot. We're working with uh, two organizations, two of our SPs as far as long-range day-night cameras. Um, so more to come on that. Um, we've been doing some train walks in there to get deeper and better understanding, particularly in an area that's uh, serving as a pretty large uh, homeless encampment, uh, that that encampment does affect the behavior in that area and the people in the encampment. Uh, their behavior is affected by others in the places in that area. So more to come on the East Side Initiative. Um, we're talking a lot about, again, uh, and everything as we've talked about is affect, detect, connect, affecting the offenders that are coming our way that are inside or outside or threats, uh, affecting their choices so that they don't harm or that we mitigate that harm, uh, and then how to best detect uh, their capabilities, their intentions, uh, who they are. Uh, that is that part of that awareness piece. That's our detect. Uh, the effect being the control part. Again, we've talked about we want to be aware. Uh, so awareness is critical and we need to establish better control where we can uh, ourselves or through strong partnerships with uh, within our organization, between organizations, including law enforcement. So uh, with no further ado, what I'm going to do is hand it over to my esteemed colleagues, uh, Tony D'Ofrio and Tom Meehan. Uh, Tony, if you could take it away, I appreciate it. Thank you, Reed, for all those uh, great updates. Let me start this week with a new report from the Council of Criminal Justice on 
crime trends in selected cities across the United States. This study updates and supplements previous U.S. crime trends reports by the Council on Criminal Justice with data through December 2023. It examines monthly rates at which 12 offenses are reported to law enforcement in 38 American cities. And these 38 American cities are not necessarily representative of all cities in the United States. So summarizing the key data from 2023 in terms of these crime trends, the number of homicides in the 32 uh, study city providing homicide data was 10% lower, representing 515 fewer homicides in 2023 than in 2022. Looking at other violent crimes, there were 3% fewer reported aggravated assaults in 2023 than in 2022, and 7% fewer gun assaults in 11 reporting cities. Reported carjacking incidents fell 5% in 10 reporting cities, but robberies and domestic violence incidents each rose 2%. Among property crimes, reports of residential burglaries were down 3%, non-residential burglaries were down 7%, and larcenies were down 4%, all decreased in 23 compared to 22. The number of drug offenses increased by 4% over the same period. Motor vehicle theft, a crime that has been on the rise since the summer of 2020, continued its upward trajectory through 2023, and this one is a big one, there were 29% more reported motor vehicle thefts in 2023 than in 22. Most violent offenses remain elevated in 2023 compared to 2019, the year prior to the outbreak of COVID and the widespread social unrest of 2020. There were 18% more homicides in the study cities in 2023 than in 2019, and carjacking has spiked by 93% during that period. Property crime trends have been mixed. There have been fewer residential burglaries and larcenies and more non-residential burglaries in 23 than in 2019. Motor vehicle theft um, more than doubled uh, during the time frame with drug crimes falling by 27%. Overall, crime rates are largely returning to pre-COVID levels as the nation distanced itself from the height of the pandemic, but there are notable exceptions. While decreases in homicides in the study cities in many other cities are promising, the progress is uneven, and other sources of crime information, including household surveys of violent victimization, indicate higher rates and more pronounced shifts than reports to law enforcement agencies. The variance in trends now requires leaders to shift attention from broad explanation to local factors. It is essential to identify what's driving crime in local communities and what law enforcement and community interventions, as well as other efforts and forces, may be having uh, an impact. Interesting that even in cities, homicides have returned to pre-2020 level. It is still entirely high, with some 20,000 uh, plus lives lost to intentional violence last year. Other trends such as motor vehicle thefts and carjacking also merit 
significant attention. Motor vehicle theft, for instance, is considered a keystone crime because stolen vehicles are often used in the commission of a robbery, drive-by shooting, and other violent incidents. For these reasons, and to achieve long-term reductions, local, state, and federal governments, along with communities and industry, must invest in evidence-based crime prevention efforts. Just the thing that loss prevention is doing every single day for retailers when it comes to crime. I want to also highlight some of the thoughts that were in the report on shoplifting and what the research found. So shoplifting is a theft by someone other than an employee or the victim for an item displayed for sale. Data from 25 cities that reported shoplifting abruptly declined during the onset of the pandemic and continued to drop to 2020. The shopping rate was 2% lower in 23 compared to 2019. The rate jumped by 22% from 2022 to 2023. That's a big jump, 22%, representing 14,743 additional incidents in the study cities. Compared to the same period in 2022, reported shoplifting increases by 18% in the first half of 2023, and by 20-26% in the second half of the year. Because this data relies on incidents reported to the police, and because reporting practices vary across the retail industry, they almost certainly undercount total shoplifting by significant quantities, and I would fully agree with that. Switching topics, let me go to Chain Storage, which reported how artificial intelligence or AI continues to resonate with consumers. As they reported, according to a new survey by Intellius of 1,000 shoppers, a third or 33% of those surveys, consumers already use generative AI tools such as ChatGPT in their day-to-day lives. The number increases to an amazing 60% for millennials and 49% for Gen Z. A sizable number, 41% of U.S. shoppers are aware of retailers using AI in their buying journeys. Nearly half, or 44%, said AI helps retailers and brands create more personalized shopping experiences, rising to 68% again for millennials and 59% for Gen Z. According to Consumer, the top five areas where AI can deliver the most value are pricing and promotions, loyalty and real-time personalized rewards, product discovery when searching online, product validation, product recommendation, and personalized, all personalized by, the, by artificial intelligence. Despite increased adoption of AI both, uh, by both consumers and retailers, 44% of consumers polled said they are distrustful of brands and retailers using AI in their shopping experiences. Two-thirds, or 66%, are concerned about this data's use after an AI interaction during the shopping journey, and 65% said they are concerned that retailers and brands had to put in place sufficient compliance data and procedures when using AI. Still, a majority, 57%, said any mind retailers using AI in their uh, shopping journey as long as they were transparent about it, rising again to 66% for millennials. Nearly half, 46%, 
felt that as long as they had a good experience with a retailer or a brand, they didn't mind that it involved AI or not. And finally this week, just a quick summary, uh, really great infographic in terms of which countries are winning the artificial intelligence race. So this is actually from uh, the daily infographic, and, and these are the top countries with the most activity uh, going on between 2013 and 2022 as measured by startups and investments. And number one is USA, number two is China, number three is UK, number four is Israel, number five is Canada, number six is France, number seven is India, number eight is Japan, number nine is Germany, and number 10 is Singapore. USA dominates by three and a half times the number of startups versus China, number two. Uh, $249 billion was invested in USA startups between 2013 and 22. In China, that amount was $95 billion. So China and US are leading the charge in terms of where AI goes next. So lots of interesting news this week in terms of what's going on to US crime how consumers view AI and who's leading the AI charge. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Reed, and good morning to everybody. Uh, lots uh, to talk about here today. I am actually traveling. I think uh, a couple of us are traveling and moving around quite a bit, so hopefully the background is acceptable. So I wanted to start kind of with some AI news, and we've... Uh, talking about AI every single week. And as I said, I think we will continue to talk a bit about AI. And in the news, uh, last on the last podcast, we talked about some deep fakes from uh, related to former President Trump. And uh, this week, there's more deep fake news. Uh, there was a similar incident with the current President Joe Biden's voice being used in and in manipulated to call voters uh, in several states. Uh, the deep fake audio uh, is very, very difficult to identify, and the more advanced uh, types of deep fake audio is nearly impossible to identify, even with voice authentication. So this is a obviously a concern uh, for the future, especially in 2024, with all the political polarization and debates. So it's definitely something where if you see something on the internet or receive what I would Team is a robocall. That sounds like a pre-recorded message. To take it with a grain of salt. It's scary to think that we have to say that these days. Uh, over the weekend, Twitter bans uh, searches for Taylor Swift. Um, and normally, I wouldn't be talking about Taylor Swift, but this goes to deep fakes as well, where there were several um, images uh, that were deep fake images depicting Taylor Swift in nude and in sexual acts. So Twitter. Uh, or X, formerly known as Twitter, banned the search term. Uh, in Twitter, uh, X's terms of services, the distribution of pornographic or nude photos without the permission or consent is considered a, a violation of their terms of, of services, so they went ahead and banned the search term. One of the challenges here is if you're uh, a person, uh, a public official, or in the case of Taylor Swift, a musician, you don't really want your, your name banned, right? You want the ability for people to search you and find you. So this is one of the, the many challenges with AI. 
And I think we'll continue to see this deep fake phenomenon occur as the deep fakes become better. Um, right now, video deep fakes are probably the easiest to identify, but audio and, and photos are uh, very, very, very challenging and sometimes not possible. So definitely a space that we'll all have to be aware of in our in um, in our day-to-day -day lives. The first brain implant from Neuralink uh, was successfully completed. There's not a lot of information here on the patient, how the patient's doing, but this is um, Neuralink is one of um, one of uh, Elon Musk's companies, and one of the things about this that's so interesting is that um, there these brain implant lamps can, in fact, uh, be able to help folks with disabilities. Um, it's a it's a very 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 open space, but right now there isn't a, a, a ton of information except for that it placed the face the first brain implant computer interface into a patient over the weekend. That's uh, they aren't disclosing the information of the patient just yet. I'm sure more will come with that, but this is a really really cutting edge technology that we see um, as a future for folks with. Uh, disabilities, uh, paraplegic, so there's a lot of really great benefits here. This is not uh, the bionic man uh, changing the perception of what you um, see or implanting a computer, although Elon Musk, who is the founder of Neuralink, talks about the potential there. Uh, this is a significant step when, it, when we think about medical procedures and the advancement of medical uh, brain implant. So more to come uh, on that. I think uh, the information is just becoming available. So a 17-year-old male in California was arrested uh, after you know a several-month hunt from the FBI for swatting. Uh, he's expected to be the largest perpetrator of swatting in the United States, and he was openly talking about this on Telegram channels, bragging about it. Um, he the, the charges come out of a federal uh, the federal district court. Uh, they are federal charges. He is being charged as an adult because he's 17 years old. They're not releasing personal information about him, but he's expected to uh, be responsible for over 100 swatting instances. For the listeners at home, swatting instances is where someone uh, places a fake 911 call um, using a VPN, the mask, and calls in the police. Last year there were several significant swatting incidents, one where a police officer accidentally shot someone, another one where there was an active shooter called into a school where a police officer drove his patrol car through the doors to get into the school. Um, this particular individual is being charged with multiple terrorist, um, terrorist related char uh, charges as well as race uh, and hate crimes pretty significant amount of crimes. And in a Telegram chat, this individual said that it would, he would never be caught and how ridiculous it was to be able to spend, as he put, a few dollars a month to mask his identity and be able to cause havoc. Swatting is not a new phenomenon. Um, it's often seen during live gaming where someone calls in and someone is taped uh, while a SWAT team goes in. Obviously, uh, the police when they have a call like an active shooter, a kidnapping or bomb threat, to have a large uh, response. So this is not just about um, there's the cost of response, but it's also about the safety pieces that go along with it. So it's a very you know significant risk for all that are involved. So definitely something 
to keep an eye on to see where this case goes. As of the time of this recording, the individual is still in California. And then last, but certainly not least, on a geopolitical front, we continue to see activity throughout the world, in the Middle East and Ukraine. Um, there were three U.S. servicemen killed um, from a drone attack in Jordan. Uh, this is pretty much breaking news. The U.S. government is um, taking a very calculated approach to see how or if they will respond. Uh, with, with that, we will watch this space very closely. Um, as we've discussed many times, the geopolitical risk impact on supply chain is real, especially throughout the Red Sea. So definitely, definitely a lot going on here in, in the space around geopolitics. Uh, we, continue, uh, we continue to see protests, uh, at least weekly, if not daily, around pro-Palestine uh, or pro-Israel um, protests. Uh, some are violent, uh, large gatherings throughout the United States and really globally. So continue to stay tuned to the podcast here. And also, if you're not already involved in the Fusion Net, I would strongly suggest you get involved. This is an election year, and there's a lot of things um, that can occur from a civil servant standpoint. And with that, I'll turn it back over to Reed. Amazing. And I appreciate it uh, from both you guys, uh, Tony and Tom. Fantastic information. Uh, always learn a lot. I know that. Uh, I want to thank you, Diego, for your production. Um, and I want to thank each and every one of you all for tuning in. Stay safe and stay in touch. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 